I get a feeling it's going to be a riot. I don't read the newspapers because they all have ugly prints. All right, guys, welcome to another exciting episode of Tinfoil Hat. You know, uh, your feedback right now has been amazing. We're very thankful. I mean, I've never seen a show where all the feedback on the, whether it's on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, is all really super positive. Very thankful for that. Very thankful for the interaction you guys have. You know, this podcast is much yours as it is mine. And uh, if you guys have suggestions for guests and all that stuff, it's uh, I'm so blessed you guys enjoy the whole thing. Uh, joining me is one of the most off-the-grid motherfuckers I know. Uh, this guy is so off-the-grid, but he is a big part of the show because he does all the research. Please welcome Ryan Davis, everybody. Hey, how you doing, Sam? Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. Uh, you guys might, if you're listening to audio, you might not know this, but if you're watching on YouTube, and the show is available on YouTube, just go to youtube.com backslash Sam Tripoli. You'll find it. These are the notes. He has freaking scrolls. He busts his ass, <laughs> and he does scrolls. He does papyrus. old papyrus, you know? It's uh, And he comes with a, trumpet, a trumpet, and before the show, he goes... So I'm very thankful, and today's a great day because it's a big day in Ryan's life because Ryan's learning how to use a computer. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get Yale. So uh, before uh, we get into the whole thing, and I want to ask him about today, too, because today's a big day, too, just in the world of conspiracies. Joining us via the power of Skype uh, is one of the best that does it. I, I'm always excited, not only uh, when he's on the show, but when I get to hang out with him, because he's just a walking encyclopedia of conspiracy theory knowledge. I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him give his own intro, because he's known for his intros. So, got an intro for us, buddy? I do. Folks, Greg Carlwood from the Higher Side Chats here, and we may not think about it every day, but the crushing realization that we spend each moment moving closer to our inevitable death is a thought you can't avoid for long. But who really knows what to expect when we all find ourselves born into a world without memory from what came before and no instruction manual for what comes next? Is life truly just a practice run for the man in the clouds to judge our morality and determine which realm we'll spend eternity in? Is it just one of our many incarnations in a quest to reach enlightenment and ascend to a higher plane? Or are we just recycled souls stuck in an Archon energy farm doomed to the prison planet and the nefarious death trap our engineers set up from the beginning? Well, whether you're an atheist, an animist, or God forbid a follower of the snake oil salesman at the Vatican, at the end of the day, we have to admit it's just a guess. And that might be the scariest thing of all. Lucky for you people today on Tinfoil Hat, the great Sam Tripoli, Ryan, and myself will help you navigate the possibilities, and I'd be surprised if we don't just figure out the whole damn thing right here. Sam, my man, how the hell are you? Doing well. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Tinfoil Hat, from Higher Side Chats, the, the premier podcast in conspiracy theories. Great Carwood, everybody. Welcome. Yay. That was great. I would love <laughs> to, to, to... Aaron, honestly, you've been podcasting with me for a couple years. How long... Do you think that intro would take for me to not only write, but get every word in that correct? Uh, it would never happen. You're saying it would, <laughs> it would never happen. Uh, Greg, thanks for uh, coming in and doing the show. Now, we we were going to have you in uh, yes. in the studio, but life happened and you have to do it via Skype. So I'm still appreciative that you took some time to come on the show, bud. Hell yeah. Glad to be here, man. Uh, you got to come out to the the uh, live show I did last week at the La Jolla Comedy Store, and you got yes. to watch me uh, yell at uh, 35 people. Thanks for— You crushed it. You, thank you, dude. That's thanks. what you're known for. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if you say it enough on stage, people start believing it. That's what I've learned. <laughs> if you say how hard you're crushing, people start believing you're crushing. Uh, Greg, Greg, today was a uh, uh, crazy day in the world. Before we get into the afterlife, which is something we want to talk about on the podcast today, uh, today was a, I just kind of briefly want to talk about April 26th. Today was a big day in conspiracy theories. 
the <laughs> world of conspiracy theories. Everybody was kind of freaking out what was going on with Trump. And uh, real quick, uh, in September, uh, on the emergency broadcasting signal on the radio, a, a crazy, just this weird kind of thing came out, just going, uh, Trump, Trump, April 26th, Trump, April 26th. Trump. So people started freaking out when not only did he get elected, but not, here we are on April 26th. They didn't know what was going on. Uh, right. Any thoughts on that, Greg? Well, I do think that was really interesting because, yeah, it was a, an, something that was up there before he was elected. So that alone is uh, pretty cryptic. And also there was another message, if I'm not mistaken, that said something like, would you, could you on a train? And that coincided with some train bombing or something. I'm just now like getting into this stuff. But yeah, this day people thought was going to be something big because we got the North Korea stuff happening. Uh, the Moab got dropped. We got the Syria airstrike that happened not long ago. So, I mean, tensions are high. And there's definitely a lot of people who thought 426 would be something. But we're pretty deep into the day. Thank and, God. Uh, yeah, we seem to be doing all right. But I guess one of the big theories was that it would be something related to nuclear because uh, the Chernobyl meltdown happened on this day in the past. And there are actually quite a few things involving nuclear tests and stuff that did coincide with this day. So it might have something to do with that secret occult religion the elite are always worrying about and their numerology. There's always something weird going on with that stuff. There's also the discussion of that there were not just one but two military uh, drills going on. In the United States, one was called Operation Gotham Shield, which yes. was supposed to be a big test run or drill for emergency responses in case a nuclear bomb had dropped. And then there's also one, I don't know if it ever got an official name, but there, uh, FEMA was going to be running one in the Washington, D.C. area simultaneously. And that really freaks a lot of, in, in particular, the conspiracy theory uh, community because there's always this belief that when some kind of tragic event happens, mysteriously and amazingly, there's a military drill going on at that time. Yes. Sandy Hook, even 9-11, uh, the San Bernardino shooting, the original one with the quote-unquote two, uh, the Islamic couple went crazy on everybody. During each one of those, there was a uh, military drill going on. Even with the Aurora shooting, there was some yes. kind of uh, drill or some kind of project that was running at that time. So people started getting pretty freaked out. Right. I mean, at Sandy Hook, they said there were, I think, two or three shooters, and they saw guys running through the woods. But then this had nothing to do with when the story was all said and done and the dust had settled and they, they straightened out their narrative. That had nothing to do with it. And so it is weird. But, yeah, the— uh, the drill going on apparently in New York City is supposed to simulate a 10 kiloton nuclear blast. And also, yeah, there's another one in D.C. And just like 9-11, there were so many people out on drills that there's actually recordings of people in fighter, pi fighter pilots saying like, wait, wait, are you telling me this is actually happening or is this the drill we're doing? Like, I'm not like they were so confused and it creates that ambiguity. And uh, yeah, there was a lot of concern that that would be. What's happening today? But and, uh, you know, uh, Sandy Hook was a lot like San Bernardino, and the fact that you know, I watched. I've said it before in this podcast. I've watched the the story change. You know, we live in L.A. It was part of our local news, and the story started with uh, three white guys in black military fatigue walked up and started shooting everybody, and then the story changed. And I watched it happen in real time to this Islamic guy at the office hated everybody. Everybody, and then him and his wife, who just had a baby three months ago, decided to shoot up everybody. And it was just, like, kind of creepy. Now, what also is uh, freaking everybody out is, like, why these military drills were going on, if they even did go on, is that Trump had called in everybody from the Senate and the entire State Department to come in, and he was going to brief them on North Korea. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of freaking everybody out, too, that this would be the day that uh, World War Three officially kicked off. Like it's like Lollapalooza or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are the concerns. The tensions are so high, and I really don't get why they have to be. We're really pushing a lot of buttons, and uh, 
I mean, most people want peace, but it's just a few people at the top who keep us in a perpetual cycle of war. And we also know that uh, there's a lot of people predicting that the economy is primed for a crash between now and 2020. And if that's the case, of course, we're going to go to war because what boosts our economy better than killing some kids? Does it still, though? I mean, like back in the day, it built. I mean, it, I mean, look at us. We've been in a 20 year war almost. We've had right. a weird economy like back in the day when the when 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 stuff was built here, made here, you know, the factories were here. It helped the economy. Everybody made money because everybody's getting hired. Does that still happen as much? Yeah, the business you know, of America used to be business. Yeah. Now the business of America is importing our culture and exporting terrorism and drugs. <laughs> I mean, let's right. just get down to it. Pharmaceutical companies, that's what we're known for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You were talking And people before. manning cash registers until the robots take over. Until the robots take over. I'm like, it's almost like I was talking about this to somebody. It's almost like every 80s movie is coming true right now. Red Dawn. The Russians, Terminator. the Terminators, the aliens, they're all it's all gonna be like just this orgy of sci-fi going on at one time. Mad Max. <laughs> Doesn't sound so bad when you put it that way. Yeah. yeah. If you throw orgy in anything, it, it sounds <laughs> a whole lot better, right, Aaron? Is that what they say in the Midwest, Aaron? Yeah, particularly orgy of uh, stuffed crust pizza. I recall that. <laughs> Aaron loves his stuffed crust pizza. Aaron, were you concerned about April 26th? I know, like, you're really getting into this conspiracy theory stuff. Uh, no. Uh, uh, the At all. The only thing I would like uh, to have happened this week is for uh, the Armenian genocide to be recognized globally. Yeah, which, uh, with uh, Turkey being an ally, that will never happen. Yeah. It's really crazy. Again, you know, I, I, I love everybody in Israel. I have, you know, Israel's no different than America. There's Israelis, there's the average Joe and Schmo, and then there's the deep state, and they're two totally different things. And right. criticizing one doesn't make you anti-Semitic. You know, not liking Netanyahu is is ridiculous. It doesn't make you anti-Semitic. That's like saying if you don't like Dick Cheney, you don't like America. That doesn't make any sense to me. You know? Agreed. And Israel doesn't want to recognize the Armenian genocide because it's one of the few countries out there that still support them. Yeah, and it seems so so arbitrary to not recognize something that clearly happened. Like, what are you doing? Just... Just admit it. Just, I mean, you didn't do it. We, this country makes business decisions, business decisions constantly. And it's mm -hmm. like, even when it's not in, in the best interest of people, they make business decisions. And it's just really sad. And like, and then I want to get in our subject because I know people go crazy on this podcast if we don't stick to one subject, but there's so much crazy stuff going on. Did you see the story where like ISIS apologized to Israel for uh, attacking them like no I did not that is insane to me like that yeah. notion to me is nuts like you like the, the, the ramifications or the implications of that it's right. mind-blowing to me it you depends on who ISIS really is I mean a lot of people are skeptical because ISIS showed up on the scene with all this like premium weaponry these brand new Toyota trucks they came in with a big convoy and it's like, who's funding this? Because it popped up overnight. And so a lot of people think the deep state of Israel and America are in cahoots together. So if that's true and ISIS is... Do you not think that? Do you not think no. that... The, I think it's likely, yeah. yeah I think it's, I think oh, it's very likly. I'm not, it's the U.S., Israel, uh, England, you know, M16, yeah. right? Or that's what the British called? crown. Yeah. That would explain why ISIS offered that kind of apology because maybe they, yeah. you know, got their... They, yeah. they forgot to dot their I's and cross their T's. Don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. You never right. had an older brother that when he was punching you in the face, he said, why are you punching yourself? Yeah. You, you, yeah. Never, yeah. you never had to be like apologize. Yeah. Like a little drop spit was about to go in your eye. So yeah. good. Point. That's a great analogy, dude. <laughs> That's totally true. So today's episode, uh, today's episode is pretty uh, dear to me in the fact that uh, my girlfriend, Dana, who I've been with for a very long time, uh, don't ask me why we haven't been married. I don't want to get into it, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, this is um, her sister is uh, dealing with terminal cancer. And if you listen to Punch Drunk yesterday, I was pretty much, much 
off my game uh, because I thought we were going to have to say goodbye to somebody that we love. Turned out she just um, was dehydrated and everything was okay, thank God. Uh, but with when you know somebody that you've had a relationship with for a long time, that you know them and that there there is a set date or a set uh, guesstimation date, it makes you wonder about death and the other side and what happens on the other side. And I've always wondered about that. I always, always wonder. I remember I, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I lived in this, uh, this on Melrose in this apartment with a bunch of young people, but there was one older woman and she had gotten breast cancer and they told her it was terminal. And I just always, it's a, such a weird thing you want to do, but I, I always just want to interview them about their thoughts and their feelings and like like are they scared are they yeah. uh, is it frightening to them that it's coming to it? and she lived a very long life and she, you know she she was a wonderful person and i never got a chance because it happened so quickly she was gone her family got her out of there and i never had a real conversation but do you guys ever think about that like what is on the other side and do you fear what's on the other side <laughs> I absolutely think of it, about it. I mean, about seven years ago, there was a day where I woke up an atheist, as usual. I was an atheist for a long time. And by the time that day was over, I was completely convinced there was something on the other side because I took salvia and expected <laughs> I expected nothing to happen. I was with some friends who wanted to try it because they were from the came out from the Midwest. And man, it took me there, man. I, my consciousness was completely out of body, completely detached. And it felt supernatural too, which is so weird is I was like, oh, wow, I'm not really frightened by this because this happens all the time, even though I, I don't really remember it happening. And I met entities there. I communicated with them. I came back and I was like, no, there's something out there. The, the materialist paradigm was shattered and could never be repaired after that day. Do you, Ryan, do you, uh, do you fear death you fear i mean i don't think anyone wants to die but you know do you fear what happens to you on the other side i've seen death firsthand um i had a family member who died of cancer as well and i got to be there towards the end of her life and it's interesting um people get to a state where they accept things and they accept their fate and uh me personally, I had a cancer diagnosis this earlier this year. I had some melanoma cancer that I get checked out and taken out of me. And it was a relief. It was a relief because, you know, we're so fragile. We think about, we never think about mortality until we're faced with it. And mm -hmm. we're just a, a split second away from either getting ran over by a big rig or just, you know. I saw some guy get hit today. He, he survived it. But man, it was like, it was like, boom, that could have been it. For him, Jesus. The, yeah, uh, I think for a lot of people, the first taste of mortality is the death of your grandparents, and yes. when they are no longer this loving thing. You know, nobody loves you more than your grandparents. As much as your parents love you, and they love you, yeah. but they gotta they gotta discipline you. They gotta do. You. Grandparents' love is just pure love. It's just like because you you eventually leave them, they get to go back home, and they don't have to deal with all the shit anymore. You know. But for the most part, it's like they really love you. And when the first one passes away, that is a shock that there is an end to this. Yeah. And I remember when I was in high school or in elementary school, my teacher goes, I don't even know why he would say this, but he's like, everybody in this room will eventually die. And just <laughs> and just like he just was like and the class is like, huh? <laughs> He's Ooh. sick of the debt. He's sick of his goddamn job. He's just pissed off. And he comes into these kids and just drops some yeah. dark knowledge. He used to love the shattered dreams, this guy. Like, one time he told everybody in our class that uh, nobody here would ever play in a D1 sport in college. <laughs> like, at my age, and he was older than me, he's in the city. At this age, you go, why would you ever say that to children? It Man. makes no sense at all. It turns out, like, three of us, uh, not me at all, I'm... I was an athletic and I was like most improved on my high school bowling team. That was about it. But uh, three of us went to play D1 from just my class. So, you know, it turns out that wasn't true. So I think about this all the time. What is the afterlife? What is, first of all, I want to get into when you die, when you pass mm -hmm. away. Well, it was interesting. You mentioned uh, the acceptance that happens towards the end because a phrase I heard recently is, 
your once the man, twice the child. And I don't know where it comes from, but I think that's pretty profound and that your your life really is kind of like a big bell curve. And as you start to exit, you start to forget things. You start to need to be taken care of like a child. You kind of regress um, back to that form. And it, it's interesting because if you think of that as a cycle, maybe there's just this this part of the cycle that we can't see from this side of reality. And once we get into it, you know, then it seems familiar. And then we probably, I would think, I mean, I think now that we come back. I'm a reincarnation guy. I, think. I am That's too. where I put I, my money on. I'm a re. I'm assimilated into the atmosphere. But we'll get into that. Uh, 21 <laughs> grams. What is 21 grams, Ryan? And your. Th- uh, <laughs> we were kind of talking about this. It's like there was the movie 21 grams, but it's really about you know your weight when you're alive versus when you're dead. And when you pass away, there's the theory, or I guess it's been proven that. You weigh 21 grams less dead than you do alive. There was a scientist, I think it was in the 40s. um, I mean, this is tinfoil hat. We don't do a lot of research, and we're just going to go with it and let you guys comment (laughs) in the YouTube that we were wrong because that's what you're going to do. But I think it was in the 40s, and basically three-fourths of an ounce, 21 grams or so, uh, is what the soul weighs because he'd weigh, he had this bed, and as people would die, as soon as they flatlined, they no longer were there, they weighed 21 grams less. And hmm. so he did the same tests with animals, particularly dogs, and they didn't weigh any difference. So I hate to break it to all you animal lovers. Your dog doesn't have a soul. Oh, he you're didn't do crushing it with cats, me. So maybe cat lovers, you know. Cats it. too? Cats yeah. don't have souls? Yeah, well, I, we'll get into the whole animal stuff. But So that means there is something there, your life force, your, your soul or whatever. And the question is, where does that energy go? Mm-hmm. What do you think, Greg? What's your uh, take on this? Well, it's really hard to kind of think of a non-material space and where it would, quote unquote, be. I think it's right here. Um, We just can't see it. It's hard to to really say that. But I can't imagine like the soul really going through much of a travel process to get to some other location like that's that's materialist thinking. That's like uh, reality, our reality based thinking. I, I think it's probably here. I, I, I 100% believe that your soul gets reassimilated in to the reabsorbed into the energy until you get born again. Mm-hmm. And that there's this whole theory that you go into the light and that that light is another vagina opening. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I know we were going to talk about the, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, yeah, but that's that, yep. the three levels of the bardo, which is like the spirit world for them. That's what it is. I mean, I, some people say there's six levels, but as far as I've heard, there's three. There's the white light, and then you meet some peaceful deities or some guides, which, you know, people always say they meet their ancestors or something. And then the third level is you choose that next life, and the journey ends as it began with a long tunnel of white light, and you go into the womb. I love it. So let's get into this real quick. There's a couple different types of afterlife. There is, uh, we'll get into all these. There's heaven, there's hell, there's purgatory. And there's reincarnation, all right? Heaven is obviously what we've all thought about. You know, we've been taught you, you're a good person. You go to the pearly gates and St. Peter's there and he's got his iPad out. He's got Mm -hmm. all your good stuff and your bad stuff. And they discuss whether you're a good person or you're a bad person. (coughs) And then you go to, uh, and if you're good, you get into heaven. Now, there's different kinds of heaven. You know, there's that, what were you telling me? There was the Viking Heaven? So the North mythology, <coughs> the Vikings believed in Valhalla. That's if you had a warrior death where he died on the battlefield. And mm-hmm. Valhalla was a mead hall in the sky where the mead flowed forever and meat kept on coming. And they could battle one another and you regenerated a lamb if it was chopped off. I mean, it's basically it, a video game. And nowadays, that's just the party after the, the after party. Well, after I party. completely believe in if. In that for if you believe in heaven, my version would be a giant party. Like, you'd have to be. It's got to be like you. You know, the whole theory between heaven was that it was this carrot that dangled in front of you. That if you didn't do, didn't follow the rules. If you followed the rules, excuse me, you got to go up here. And then yeah. I got to think it's like you go up there and it's just like. Go fucking nuts, dude, right? (laughs) Right, I mean, that's conspiracy 101, like waking up to that fact. I I mean, I said, I I told that story about the drug thing, saying I was an atheist that day. That's because I grew up Catholic, and then 
that was the first thing I saw through is that it was a big control mechanism, like you say, a carrot on the end of the stick to get you to behave a certain way and, of course, give your money to the church. Give your money then- to the church, put out more uh, little Christian soldiers. Like, there's there's a reason why every sex act besides, you know, blasting inside your old lady is uh, a sin. Right? Yeah, it's a numbers game for these religions. These big three that are fighting it out through the centuries, it's a big numbers game. And so that's why they're against putting a condom on is because they don't care if you are crippled with debt. They just want more Christians, more Catholics, more Muslims, the, whatever it is. To fight their wars and, uh, you know, to give them money, fight their wars, do their bidding. So it doesn't. it's obvious that this is why they don't like uh, uh, gay sex or masturbation or anal. You know, it's like... Because don't 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 those don't produce more ATM machines that'll fight your wars. Yeah. You know? Of course, yeah. And, I, and unless it's an, an anal with an altar boy, then they're okay with it. Which is crazy, right? Which is so mm-hmm. interesting and so much of the rules and this is today. Even like what you know, I I'm a liberal dude. I'm a liberal guy. I believe in liberal cause. I believe that most of whether it's you always hear people say, I'm socially liberal, but I'm uh politically conservative or some crazy or business conservative. I think all conservative shit is bullshit. You know, (laughs) I I, I just do trickle down a free trade, all that, even though that was brought on by the Clintons, it's still a a more of a conservative thing. I I think it's all bullshit. The social stuff, the, 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 uh, if, uh, if you're, if you're gay, interracial dating, remember if you, if you were a white woman who dated a black man, you were going to burn in hell, masturbation, all that stuff. Like those were just to get you to, it all turned out to be bullshit. And you, somewhere in the, in, in Colorado right now, there's an interracial gay couple smoking weed about to get weird. And they're the happiest people on the planet. And they recycle. <laughs> and they recycle. You know, and it's <laughs> That's just, true. Right? It's just, it's all bullshit. You got lied to. You were told these conservative things just to test you and to make you follow their fuck. It's almost like high school, right? Religion was like high school. In high school, you know, they reward the kids who follow the rules. Mm-hmm. And if you don't follow the rules, you're thrown in the principal's office, you're doing detention, and you don't, if you don't assimilate, they pound the shit out of you. I mean, I think both conservatives and liberals get a lot of stuff wrong. And I think that's kind of why they keep us divided that way. But what conservatism was supposed to be about is smaller government. And the and I support that. But the problem is that whenever we get a conservative in office, we never get smaller government. It's always bigger and more and trickle down economics, of course, is a part of that. It's like, well, just give the money to the rich people and it's going to get down to you. No, they just get bigger, fatter bank accounts. If you wait tables, you'll know. Fucking rich people don't do trickle down. They tip like shit. You know, the the issue that conservatives have with liberals is that liberals support the nanny state stuff, the expanse of government, the globalism. And I do agree with that to a degree. To a degree, uh, to a degree. But conservatives love socialism when it comes to the police force, the military, uh, the fire department and all that stuff. And like. You know, I got in a, uh, there was this comic who's very funny, put out, like, since 1960, the government has uh, spent $3.5 trillion on social, you know, welfare system uh, projects. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. And since 1990, uh, since 2001, the Pentagon is either, you know, <laughs> spent or, quote, air quotes, lost $13.5 trillion. That's right. socialism in a different way. And yeah. it's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If we're going to spend money on anything, it should be making people's lives better. I mean, who can argue with that? You know, I, you know I, I'm in recovery, dude, and I go to a lot. And we'll get, we're going to get back to the afterlife. I'm in recovery, and I listen to some people's stories of where they come from and how they— Some people are born into a world of shit. Yeah. A yeah. world of shit, man. And it's like sometimes you need just a little help to stabilize what's going on around you. Because when you fall and there's nobody to grab you, you don't have a family, you don't have anything like that, man, you might just keep falling. And sometimes you just need a little bit of help. Now, these people who get bored, like in Europe I saw, that they're now doing something where it's like you only get so much special, you know, uh, 
welfare for so many children. It's like two children, they cap it. Hmm. Anything over that, you know, now you're breaking it up between three kids, four kids, five kids, whatever it is. You know, maybe that's mm-hmm. what we need to do. But I also. Yeah, that's th- not so bad. Yeah, right? I'm like, nobody wants where nobody works. Nobody wants that. And I think most people would want to work an honest job where they can feel respected about themselves and get it done. But, you know, it's like we people love socialism. The bailouts of the of all these companies, you know, in the stock market crash, in which they're already planning on getting another bailout. They actually have the bailouts kind of budgeted into their budgets. Yes. That's socialism. That's a scary thing right now. We're dealing with the uh, the – the funding of the government. I mean, this is going to be a, a serious thing, I think, in the next couple of weeks. 100 percent, dude. 100 percent. So back to uh, heaven. I have my heaven. And this is how I see heaven playing. I think heaven. Uh, I think God is a black British lesbian. I think that mm-hmm. is the highest, purest form of humanity. And <laughs> she, be. she DJs. She DJs, okay, <laughs> and she's got the best Coke in the world. It is just pure Coke. You can't feel anything. You don't get Coke dick, and everybody just fucks. Uh, I'm sorry this is one of the dirtier podcasts we've done, but everyone just bones, and if a girl gets pregnant, an angel gets its wings. That's what I believe Lots heaven of wings. is about. Do you guys have any I, your heavens? Well, I like the idea of that for sure. I mean, but— I guess my thing would be all a lot of that is uh, is physic physical based. Like without a body, it's hard to bang. Without a body, it's hard to snort coke, and um, <laughs> that's one of the things that on one of my drug experiences that was pretty out there. Um, you know, I spoke to an entity and I said, "Well, this seems pretty sick. So why even have life?" And that's exactly what I was told. Is like, "Well, how would you know what chocolate tasted like? How would you know what it felt like to fuck?" I mean. That's why spirits come to this material plane to manifest is to have a physical experience because it is different than what's over on their side, which is without anything physical. So it's really hard to you got to think of it like a, just a giant cloud of consciousness and you're in there. And, but you're still yourself. It's a it's a weird thing. At least that's my impression. Yeah. Well, Ryan, do you have a heaven? Uh, it'd be a swimming pool of LSD. And you just jump in and you just trip forever? You just disintegrate into the, you just meld into the net of Endra, and meanwhile, you just, yeah. I met a stripper who did acid for 90 days straight. Jesus. Okay, I'm not a sports fan. Sorry, Sam. But Phil Jackson, in his autobiography, he did LSD for 30 days straight. And the timeline from that, he said he understood basketball completely. And he started winning champions with the championships with the Bulls. That's his team, right? Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. the Lakers as well. So I mean, fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I telling you, as a sober guy, I really wrestle with the fact that I can't do psychedelics, and I'm trying to find some fine print in which I can <laughs> work it, so I can find like I'm not really doing it to uh, escape. I'm doing it more for knowledge. So I'm I absolutely think you can find that space, man. I mean, d- drugs are so different. There's party drugs, and then there are tools to expand your consciousness and to really prepare you for death. I actually think the Tibetan Book of the Dead, that's what it is, is a book to train you for the afterlife, to make you prepared for that moment so you're not so distracted by this or that, and you actually know what to do, because I think spirits can get lost, and the process can go wrong. And that's what that book was there to teach us. I also think that's what psychedelics teach us. And I think that's why they're illegal. Um, yeah. They're, they're illegal for a lot of reasons. But if the, if the elite are in, conne- in like some type of uh, connection or serving the archons or demons at the top of the pyramid, this would be the number one thing they would say is like, well, you need to keep everything that teaches people about death. Get it the fuck out of here. We want them to be completely uh, discombobulated and, and off their guard when they yeah. die. Yeah. So as the hierarchy of like psychedelic psychonauts that are still living, I think we'd say Dennis McKenna's up there. Then next would either be Alex Gray, maybe tied for second, would be Duncan Trussell. <laughs> and I immediately think of you, Greg, and I know you've had your experiences. In psychedelic state, you have ego death. I know I've experienced that in the past, no longer. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, you get to a place, you get to a zero-point field where you understand... It's like that monkey that puts his hand into the cage and he can't bring back the food until he lets go. That's yeah. a psychedelic trip. You've like you're the whole time you're like, oh yeah, I just got to remember. And then you come down, you're like, what the fuck was I supposed to remember? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And, and those those 
experiences aren't addictive the way Coke or ecstasy is addictive. God damn, those things are euphoric and they yeah. feel great and it's amazing to party with them. And alcohol, and eh, it's never been my thing, but I get it. I mean, it's the only thing you can do communally. Of course, people are going to love to drink. But when you get into the realm of LSD, mushrooms, I do not think that it's something you're going to get hooked on in any kind of significant way. I mean, you're you, you know, but uh, that's just what I'm saying. I think no, you need that. I think yeah. you need that. Well, within the, uh, within the, uh, uh, the, uh, the getting sober community, you know, there's always a battle between prescription medication that you need to take to, you know, because you balances your chemicals in your brain and all mm -hmm. that stuff versus, you know, the pharmaceutical drugs in which uh, help you to escape. And that's kind of really what it is. If you're taking it to escape, that's when it's a problem. If you're taking it because you need it to balance you out or expand your mind, that might be something new. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody who's in sobriety to go out and do shrooms and it's okay. That's a personal discussion for you. That hopefully, you know, I don't think it leads to anything else. I don't think you do shrooms and now you're like hooked on doing shrooms and next thing you know, you're blowing strangers in alleys for fucking shroom money. You know, you know, that's not really a thing. But you know, that's a question each person has to think. Please stay sober if you're if if it's made your life better. But if you want to figure it out. Figure it out. So there's also, there's heaven, there's hell. Uh, I think there, some people think hell is on, you know, we're in hell right now. Some people think this <laughs> is hell. Uh, yeah. I, I don't necessarily think, I think it can get worse. I kind of have a joke right now that uh, I'm doing that's pretty going pretty well about how, uh, according to the Westboro Baptist Church, uh, everybody's going to hell. If you saw their list <laughs> of people. And I'm just like, it's going to be so white in hell. There's so many white people going to hell we're going to gentrify hell. That's what we're going to do. Aaron, it's going to look like Portland down there. It's going to look like Portland. We're going to have vegan strip bars and feminist tattoo parlors and nothing but Comic-Con everywhere, you know? Out of so, food trucks, yep. What would your hell be, Ryan? Well, honestly, it'd be like Syria. I yeah. Mean, like, it, hell exists. Like, in uh, Liberia right now, they're eating people. And not because they want to, it's because they got to stay alive, you know? It's unbelievable. Just depending on where you're at on this planet right now, the apocalypse has already started, you know? We, we get yes. our, our nudes feed that it's like down the road, but... Mm, it's here. It yeah. just hasn't knocked on yeah. our door. Okay, you, just, you're in Syria, and there's robots that come from the sky and drop hellfire missiles on you, yeah. on your head, and you like, that's Terminator 1. That's the opening scene. He steps on the skull. Terminator you know? 1, opening scene for sure, <laughs> dude. That's exactly what it is. I mean, yeah. it's it all is, perspective. And to, to say that this is hell... Um, Overall, I mean, of course, yeah, there's some bad stuff going on in the Middle East. No one wants to be there. But to say that the earth itself, uh, the material plane is a hell, I think is a little strong. But if you know much about the Gnostic belief system, which is, uh, you know, they started out as Jewish and Christian heresies, people who basically twisted the religious text to look at it from different ways. And they came to the conclusion, they thought, you know what, maybe God isn't so good and we shouldn't be worshiping him. Maybe that this, uh, this isn't the Garden of Eden. Maybe this is some type of illusion that the physical world is uh, some kind of prison planet and that the goal is to raise above it, to enlighten yourselves above it. And uh, I really think there might be some merit to that. That's where the idea of archons comes from. They say, well, the, the, the being that made the earth in the material realm, he isn't the one true God. He's just one of many. And he's actually pretty low on the totem pole. And he's egotistical. And he just wants people to be in Servitude. Are you him. telling and us? Are you telling me that the God who created us could be the equivalent of a TSA agent who just busts your balls all the time and is a real asshole and is just like has a little bit of power and has an ego about it? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> According to the Gnostics, yeah, they they looked at the religions of their day and the leaders and the actions of the churches and they thought this isn't good. These aren't the people I would want to be following. So they flipped it and they thought maybe the snake in the Garden of Eden, Lucifer, the light bringer, the one who illuminates man, Prometheus, who gives man the fire. These are the entities that in all of mythology are punished severely for teaching man information, for enlightening man. So the gods don't want us to be smart. And you have these oh, archetypes man. in the in, in the biblical we scriptures. You talking about that, Ryan. Yeah, right. This is a little prelude to coming up episode. yeah that's well, absolutely insane. 
So I think there might be some there. And if we want to tie in a lot of things in the conspiracy soup, there are theories that uh, this is some type of human energy farm, that the elite in concert with archons are just milking our energy like batteries matrix style. I mean, the matrix is a modern representation of the Gnostic belief system. That movie, that's exactly, they lifted it all from Gnosticism and that, you know, that the material world is an illusion, that there's a real world outside of it that no one knows about. And, uh, you need to wake up to. Is this the assimilation theory? It could that... go into that realm. Uh, the, the, the thing I was going to throw in is that some people think that the experiences that people have with the greys, with aliens, that you could take this back to the ancient alien theory that we were engineered by other intelligent beings the same way we're engineering consciousness and machines today. They engineered us, and they've been basically letting us cycle through in some kind of death trap for a long time. That's why psychedelics might be valuable. And that's what the Tibetan Book of the Dead actually says. There's a line in it where it says, do not be enticed by the soft light of the gods. It is an obstacle to liberation. The goal of the bardo is to achieve enlightenment, not to pursue the pleasures of the gods. If you fail the test, you face their alter ego, the wrathful deities. So you might want to stay sober in this life, but it might not hurt you to take LSD and mushrooms a few times just, no, to, I get, respect that. <laughs> just to get your floaties on and your training wheels for that spiritual world because you don't want to end up stuck in a, in a wall somewhere for all eternity. Oh, God damn it, Greg. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be in a wall, Aaron. <laughs> I got to do shrooms. Listen, um, Ryan, so let's get into the Book of the Dead, man. I'm really excited about that. And then I, before, uh, we, you know, we got about 20 minutes left, I want you to give some recommendations on uh, heresy. Is that what you were just talking Gnosticism. Gnosticism? Yeah, Gnosticism. Yeah, okay. At the end, I'd love you to talk about a couple books maybe people could read on that because, man, that was I'm very interested in that stuff. But, Ryan, you are uh, – you – you love the Book of the Dead you were kind of talking about, and you had done some shrooms and had an experience. Am I right? Or some acid? Uh, yeah, I've had something like that. It was, um, yeah, just, I had recently finished reading the book, and um, I actually was getting my cancer tumor pulled out of me, cut out of me. And they're like, all right, do you get weird around needles? I'm like, no, nah, I'm cool. And then I passed out. And when I opened my eyes, I was in this, like, giant, expansive field of lotus flowers. Really? And I just hear this, and I was like, oh, fuck. I'm in the first, like, I know what I'm supposed to do. And I see sitting on a lotus flower. What? An energy, like, being. I know it sounds like a kook right now, but I see this energy <laughs> You're on tinfoil hat. Yeah. You're normal. Yeah, there you go. Just tighten it on. And I'm like, what? I know what I'm supposed to do. Because the whole concept is to to get out of the cycle of rebirth. So you see your Buddha self, you're trying to get the Buddha's attention, whatnot. I, I just went to go sit down on one of the, the lotus flowers that was right by him. I go to sit down and it's like, and then bam, I was back in the room, flop sweat dripping, like these angry nurses in my face. Like you said you were cool with needles. I was like, whoa, man, They're like, where'd you go? Cause I was mumbling. And I was like, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, you know, oh, like really. So that's what, and I know it's all subconscious. I just finished reading it. It was in the back of my brain. But ever since that day, colors have never been bright again, like as bright as they were going what? into it. Yeah. Wow. Like, I, like everything got turned down like a little grayer in my life, which isn't bad. My life's fucking amazing. But hey, uh, it's one of those things. I had a trippy psychedelic experience with no psychedelics in me. And that's the goal, really. I mean, you do enough uh, psychedelics in your life, you want to experience it, like they say in Kundalini or through meditation or being in sacred chambers and stuff like that, actually getting to a state without any chemicals because we're capable of it. Dimethyltryptamine yeah. is in our brain. That's what DMT is. And we can tap into it. It's released in our deep REM sleep. It's released, dumped into our body right before we die. They've like mm -hmm. done studies. And it's, they think it's a way for us to pass through into the next realm in a more fluid manner. So, Yeah, they yeah. teach you a lot of bullshit in uh, those years of school, but they never <laughs> make it to meditation or any of those real tools that could help a person out. Why is that so, so interesting? So let's get into this Book of the Dead. Uh, the three bardos is that what's called? Yeah, Greg, I can. Uh -huh. I know that you're you're well versed in this. Give us a little breakdown. So, for someone that has no idea, and this is the first time they're hearing it, <laughs> what, well, where, where would you start? Well, from what I know, which is not as much as 
a lot of other people, but it was written around the 8th century, but nobody really knows how old those traditions are. I always say that about these old texts we get, like the Nag Hammadi texts and these things. You don't know how long the oral tradition goes. This is just when it was written down and you found it. I mean, who knows what edition of the book that is anyway. But uh, the reason we know about it in the West is there was a European folklorist in the early 1900s who heard about it, traveled there, read it, translated it, and brought it over here. And it was Timothy Leary who really made it popular again in the 60s because he said that it is a perfect primer for LSD, you know, for people who couldn't understand what that experience is like. Because if you haven't been to the spirit world, it's trying to explain green to a blind man. How do you explain the color green to a blind man? You can't do that shit. So he found this book and he was like, check this out. This will give you get you about as close as you can get without actually taking the compounds. And that's what it's all about is training for the afterlife. It teaches you about the out-of-body experience, what you're going to see. It talks about that red light or that uh, white light. It talks about meeting those entities. But it also says that it can be a type of trap that you really have to keep from getting mesmerized by the, uh, you know, the bright colors and all the just the sensations around. You have to actually progress through some type of bardo system some type of levels to actually get to your next life or you can become trapped and who knows what ghosts really are i mean people who have haunted houses or something like that i mean maybe there are souls who are just lost who never found their way and they will spend eternity stuck in a wall i oh man i uh i believe that that you know there's a reabsorption of the soul uh and it could still fit into this that uh, you know, as you as you pass away, your soul gets reabsorbed. Now, you they tend to see that they tend to find that these ghosts are associated with violent deaths. Like there's yeah. always like, oh, they died this. They got murdered here. This. Yeah, there's a my thought is that maybe there's a transfer. There's a problem with the transfer as your body gets, you know, starts to get reabsorbed. Your energy gets reabsorbed. A violent act kind of knocks it off. And now it's. Now it's in neither world. It's, <laughs> it's in limbo, right? It's, it, yeah. It's in neither. So I always think that's that's so – I totally believe in ghosts, man. I've seen <laughs> it at the comedy store. Oh, fuck. Well, I've one, seen shit at the store, dude. I've heard the store has a, a rich history and a lot of lore around that kind of thing. Do you know any particular good stories about ghosts that might be at the store? I mean, if you talk to uh, Freddie Lockhart, he says that he actually saw chairs being thrown. Wow. Nobody's there and chairs were thrown. Uh, Jeff Scott has a video where he shows uh, him in the belly room, recording the belly room with his iPhone, and you can see white light orbs just all over, just <laughs> flying through the room. You know why they call it the belly room? Why? Back in the day, they used to perform illegal abortions at what is now the comedy store. Are I you serious? Yeah. What the fuck? Did you just drop a <laughs> bomb on us? <laughs> or drop my goddamn headphones on or that perpetuating one. some lore that was told to me. I, I, dude, I think there was some evil shit at that comedy store at some point, and I feel like now something happened to it, and its energy is totally different. And mm -hmm. it's in a really good place right now. Now, personally, I was in the, the main room, green room, which is back of the main room. And I was getting ready to do uh, go up, and I was doing my set. And in the back room, there is a uh, shower. Uh, there's a whole bathroom with shower, sink, everything. Where in case I don't know, apparently people used to shower after their shows. I think it was probably back when they had like a lot of dancers there. They could shower after their shows way back in the uh, old vaudeville days there. Um, so I'm just hanging out writing, and all of a sudden, I hear the 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 uh, the the, um, the shower. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the yeah, the little handle. Yeah, the shower handle just start to turn, 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 and the water started running. <laughs> Run, boom! I was like, oh man, somebody's here. And then the second time was I saw something is. I was I it was in the main room and Jeffrey Ross this was early on in the roast battles he's sitting with all the roast battle writers and he was uh they were having something and I remember walking by him going hey guys I walk back out to the OR I run to the Rite Aid near there just two blocks down it took me 5 minutes ran back they were all sitting there writing right 
So I go back in the room, and now the lobby. Uh, the, the when I left the first time, the lobby of the main room was completely lit. lit. And when I came back, it was black. And I go, did somebody go in there and turn it off? Did anyone come by? They go, no, nobody's come by. So I go into the darkness, and I'm starting to freak out. And there's one sliver of light against the wall hmm. that there's no light source for that sliver of light. It would have to be reflected from the street light all the way down the main room hall, off something, and then hit that. I don't know how that light is there. What the fuck? And then I look at the light, and I just see an image pass right in front of the light. And I go, I'm out! Yeah, no, thank you. Damn. So let's get, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's get in this first bardo. What is the first bardo, guys? I think that's just the white light. That's the straight-up tunnel of light that is talked about so often. I think a lot of doctors and surgeons have even described that when uh, people die during surgery and come back, that's the first thing they say they saw. And uh, Skippy I mean, yeah. Simon said that friend of uh, mine, Skippy Simon, died in the military, and he said he went. All he saw was a white light, and he went to the white light, and then he woke up. Yeah. Some say it might be a regressed memory from your childbirth, because as you come out of the birth canal, your eyes open. The first thing you see is just bright light, and then that's even some of the, like the like the alien abduction theories that there's like guys with masks on they look giant you know and they're oper- they're doing things to you sticking a thermometer up your butt that's what these are all regressed <laughs> i've heard these i mean here on tinfoil we don't believe i don't believe anything but i don't disbelieve anything i, right. I i'm open right you know yeah. what i mean you got to stay open like the moment you throw your hat into one thing we're talking about Transdimensional pedophiles that are coming to our, our whole saying here is I don't know man maybe oh, fuck, man. maybe well here's here's something that's kind of interesting so we have this Tibetan Book of the Dead and a lot of people talk about where was Jesus during those missing years in his biography in the Bible he he is gone for most of his twenties I believe and even till comes back until 32. at thirty two. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of people are wondering what was Jesus doing? And there's a lot of speculation that he traveled to Tibet, that he traveled to Egypt and these places where he got inducted into, initiated into these mystery traditions, that he was a shaman of sorts, that he was like a Terence McKenna of his day, teaching people that, you know, God is in you, that, you know, you are connected to the universe already and that you can do these things that will get you there. And of course, the whole Holy Roman Empire wrote and rewrote all those Gospels long time later. We all know that, right? Yeah, that the Bible right. is a collection of things that serve the yeah. masters who decided to craft it. Right. Well, It was made by guys who believed in Ra, the sun god. <laughs> well, well, check this out. So I just interviewed this guy, uh, J- uh, Silva was his last name, and Freddie Silva. And he has a great book called The Resurrection Ritual, which gets into the idea that because Jesus was going around getting initiated in all these things— the story has been twisted that he died and was, quote, resurrected, that he's the son of God. That's where the whole story makes no sense. But where it does make sense is if you get into this resurrection ritual they were doing, they had ways to keep people on the astral plane for a long time with psychedelics and other things. Wow. And Jesus was in the tomb doing the ritual for three days. And then he came out. Uh, so he was on the spirit plane, but he never he wasn't dead. So this is kind of what I think that story is twisting, is that it's hiding what is really magic, because the Holy Roman Empire, the Inquisition, the conquistadors, the witch hunts, the burning down of the Library of Alexandria, all this stuff, all of Western expansion has been to wipe out magic. And magic is very much about interacting with the spirit plane. I know people who are practicing occultists who talk to spirits on a daily basis. Uh, really? I haven't gotten I haven't gotten there. Uh, I've been trying. I've been trying some rituals. I've got an altar set up because I'm I'm a person who wants to test it. I'm not going to yeah. say it's bullshit. Um, I still feel silly doing it, but there will be a, a time apparently where I'll get some kind of breakthrough and uh, I won't feel so silly about it anymore. But uh, there's people I trust, intelligent people who would not spend their time on this if they weren't getting results. So I trust their results. But oh I do God. think the authority has been trying to keep us away from the spirit world forever. That's how you control the lives of man. If man knows that life is an illusion and that it's a cycle and that your true nature is consciousness, how do you really enslave a nation? How do you really get people to to fear death? Because if they know what it is, if they go to the astral plane regularly through ritual, you can't really control wow. people. 
So, true. so it's all about keeping people in the material world. That's why I believe that Gnostic idea that the world is an illusion. And it's a very persistent one if you keep people here, keep people entrapped in it. Worlds within worlds, people sitting here in an illusion, watching TV, playing video games, illusions within illusions. And now VR is coming out. It's, it's nuts, man. But I really do think if you unpeel the onion, the truth is that we are consciousness first. And then if you keep that in mind, you can have the tenacity of a guy like Gandhi or some of these shamans or these monks who burn themselves in this town square because they don't like what's going on because they know that their true nature is consciousness. And wow. that's the number one thing they don't want us to know. So, wow, that was this is awesome. The final for the third, Bardo, is a bunch of different worlds, right? It just depends. Like, so Tibetan Buddhism, they believe that you have the chance to reincarnate into six possible different experiences or realms, as they call it. And we're in the human realm. And the thing, this is one of the three. There's three good and three bad. Uh, we're in the human realm, and this is the only realm where you can achieve enlightenment and break the cycle of reincarnation. In so, this realm. In this realm. Being a human, much like in Western Christian Christianity, you have fr freedom of like choice. You have free will. And so this is the place where you're able to accumulate karma, which makes it basically means action or deed. You can do good deeds, bad deeds. You can do dirty deeds if you're ACDC. But right Done, here, dirt, <laughs> cheap. Exactly. So this is the realm that depicts whether you get broken out of that cycle. And the other two good ones is the realm of the Asuras, which is like a titan form. They're like, I mean... They're like half gods, but the thing is, it's all metaphorical. All Eastern cultures are speaking in metaphors because this is a way to live your life. Like when you're a dick and a douche to people and all you're trying to do is get yours, then guess what? You're going to come back. You're going to come back to this realm until yeah. you figured your shit out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The land, other good... square, land yourself square in Syria. Like, yeah. And the next life. Ah. Uh. So, so what are the different worlds? We have you have the uh, just list through and a brief description of it because yeah, we've got to wrap it up here. Yeah, the, I, but this is interesting. I love this. No Go doubt. On. The other, the third and final uh, good one is uh, the realm of heavenly beings, and it's populated with godlike people that have great power, wealth, and real long life. But they eventually die too. But the thing is, they don't have compassion, and they don't have the ability for wisdom. And they don't—they're blind to the suffering of others. So these are like the powerful people that we think. These of, are you know? the uh, deep state people. Yeah, exactly. And so mm -hmm. by that, they're going to reincarnate into most likely either, if you're lucky, the human realm. But then there's the three evil or bad karma experiences, which is the realm of animals, which is you would literally be turned into an animal because you're complacent. You live like a prejudiced life. You're sheltered. You're avoiding any sort of discomfort. And these are people who are ignorant and just content with being ignorant. And then you come back and you get to be a like a cow led to the slaughter because, I mean, this is all in the yeah. theory of Tibetan yeah. Buddhism. Yeah. And the other realm is this very super interesting concept is called the realm of the hungry ghosts. And in my mind, it's Vegas. It's there. These hungry ghosts have big bellies. They have pinholes for mouths and tiny, tiny, thin necks because they have like an appetite that can never be filled. They have a thirst that could never be quenched. They like breathe fire because they're never yeah. getting liquid. So it's, it's Vegas. It's sex. It's nonstop partying. It's money, money, money. It's, it's gluttony, but you, you're never filled. There's never a time where you're in Vegas where like, I've had enough. It's time. It's like, I got to get the fuck out of here or I think I've become like one of the donkeys from Pinocchio. Yeah, basically. and then you leave and you get Vegas AIDS. You ever had <laughs> Vegas AIDS where you're just like, oh, I think I, 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 I'm, I'm sick. I'm Vegas sick. Aaron, you ever get Vegas AIDS when you go to Vegas? Can't say that I do. You've never had Vegas AIDS. You no. feel like a million dollars as soon as you leave Vegas. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. No, you're full, Aaron. God damn it, Aaron. I'm very familiar with those Vegas AIDS. You're right. You just like you're like, oh, I'm so sick. I was in Vegas. You got that Vegas AIDS, homeboy. Thoughts <laughs> on the third Bardo, Greg? Well, I guess the way I've heard them described is a little different than the way they're being described. But cool. um, let's hear it. Well, I heard that the the third one really was just that that moment where you're 
that where you're in the process of choosing your next life, that your time in the spirit world is winding down and that's when you're making that choice. And apparently you meet or you see your actual parents and then you hop on down at the moment of conception. Oh, that's what you were talking about. That you go to a room, right? So, yeah, you die. You get into an area. You try to get uh, the Buddha's attention. That's you not acknowledging your Buddha self. You get angry. You get frustrated. You're filled with fear. You're chased by monsters, quote, unquote. It's all metaphor. And who are these monsters? It's all the shit that you haven't dealt with in your past life. All the accumulation of all your negativity and all the bullshit that you've, like, dished out on other people. It's coming back tenfold. So you get chased into the next, you just, you're running from them and you come into a big expanse of land where there's nothing but couples just fucking getting down mm -hmm. and to escape all this anger and the fear and everything that you're afraid of dealing with, you then dive into one of the couples banging and you get reincarnated. That's how you choose your mother or father. So basically you choose who your parents are by their hump style? Yeah, I mean, if you you're like, oh, man, that couple's really going at it. She's a freak and I, jump in. I hate to break it yeah. to you, Sam, but you probably bone just like your dad. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Or your dad bones exactly like you. I'm not too sure which one. That is so interesting, dude. <laughs> that is so trippy interesting. I mean, and I mean, that's that one perspective. A lot of people say you see uh, a light in a tunnel but no one really knows if it's good or not because I've talked to people who think it's actually part of the trap and that uh, it's the gray aliens who stay out in the shadows that treat the earth like a human slaughterhouse that we are just sitting around in our little cubicles in our homes thinking life is great like cow like idiot cows in a slaughterhouse who don't realize why they're really there oh they're there to God. provide food and so when we die, they also have a consciousness trap that throws us right back into another body unless you can somehow manage to escape that cycle. So who, who knows if it's good or bad, but uh, it's interesting. It is interesting, man. I got to be honest with both of you guys. I've done a lot of podcasting. This is by far the most interesting episode I've ever done in podcasting. Mm. This is I'm being dead serious. I've had more fun on this podcast that I think I've had on almost any podcast. <laughs> well, was... death affects everybody, and everybody, no one knows. So it's everyone's curious. So interesting, dude. This is so interesting. So, uh, uh, Greg, do you have any recommendations for our listeners who might well, if... want to read up on some of the stuff we've talked about? Well, if you're interested in the Gnostic perspective, Gnostic means gnosis, and gnosis means knowing. So this is all about knowing the reality that you're really in, the true framework, whether it's the spirit world or the illusionary material reality. And I learned most of what I know about Gnosticism from my favorite wizard, Captain of the Chaos Quidditch team from down under, Gordon White. He runs runesoup.com. He writes a lot of great pieces about magic, and Gnosticism has had a huge influence on him. There's another guy, Miguel Connor, who runs the Aeon Byte podcast. It's all about uh, Gnosticism, and he compiled a lot of his interviews in two books, Voices of Gnosticism and Other Voices of Gnosticism, and I doubt there would be anything better than those compilations. And um, then, of course, if you want to hear about the Jesus Resurrection Ritual stuff, Freddie Silva's book, The Resurrection Ritual, it's pretty compelling. Oh man, I got. It. I'm gonna have to check out oh, yeah. all that stuff. I know you and Gordon are buddies, and he's actually one of the only Australians that I enjoy. So that, <laughs> that is saying a lot. Why don't you like Australians? They're wonderful. I mean, they're just their like, women are gorgeous. Oh, play some footy. Oh, oh, like, okay, yeah. you don't like soccer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm you don't good. like soccer. But, well, um, he left as soon as he could, moved to London. So now he's back, but he he got out of there as much as soon as he could. So I think he would probably take Australia. that as a badge of honor. Well, hey, we got to get you in the studio sometime. We'll Skype in Gordon. Or, and, Hell I yeah. You guys I would have... love that, dude. Greg, I, I, every time we talk, I, I thoroughly enjoy talking with you. You're just a walking book of knowledge. And uh, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and making this episode so awesome. Um, everybody knows who you are. I, my friend Melissa McQueen was talking. Uh, she's a big conspiracy theorist. She doesn't want me to say it, but I'm going to. I'm trying to get people to be like, dude, if you believe in stuff, say it, man. Come, Come out, out of the, the woodwork. Closet. Come yep. out, man. You got to say it. I get it. She you know, she just doesn't want to get in fights with people. I'll, I'll bang all day long, homeboy. You know, but 
Uh, she says she's, you know, we talk conspiracies before. and She started listening to Tinfoil Hat and through Tinfoil Hat. She started listening to your podcast. She loves your podcast. So, you know, uh, I appreciate you coming on my show, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll hook up sooner than later, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. I love the comedy world, and just to be able to tiptoe into it is great. Of course, I forget more than I remember, but you interview all these people, you got to let something stick. You're doing you know? great, dude. <laughs> and uh, you guys who love Tim Fo Hat and love Higher Side Chats, Greg and I are working on a couple projects together, and hopefully yes. we'll have one going sooner than later that we think you guys will really love. So, Greg, thanks for tuning in, Mag. I know you got uh, life stuff to take care of, and we appreciate you coming on uh, uh, on Tinfoil Hat. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Hell yeah. Peace, guys. Take care, buddy. You're See the you, best. Greg. Bye. Uh, good podcast, Aaron. Thoughts. Judeo-Christian man. Thoughts. I'm an atheist. A oh, yeah. so you don't even believe in any of that? No. You just believe we just go into, not, we just become worm meat? Yeah. Where's your 21 grams going, homeboy? That might just be all the oxygen in your body letting go. Oh, God damn the 21 it. 21 grams of oxygen. <laughs> well, how, dogs way. don't have the same. I mean, well, no, you said dogs don't have it. Well, dude. Well, they were, they're smaller, so they have less. So you, it's negligible. God damn. Mm. It's What's just it the like cheese and the so crust. Cold? Yeah. What's it like to be so cold? Open your mind, man. I'm giving you knowledge. Drink, dude. God damn, I was moved by this episode, <laughs> and you're just sitting there thinking about what kind of toppings you're going to get on your fucking pizza, man. Yeah. God. God. Just. We'll get a Monday. We'll get a Monday. <laughs> uh, Monday's going to be a great show. We're supposed to do it this Monday, but life happens. We couldn't do it. So next Monday, we are, what are we talking? We got, uh, we got Steve Lee from What's His Band? Oh, we got Stevie Weeby. Stevie the, Weeby. The, the famous Steve Lee. Check him out on his YouTube page. But uh, his band is called Munchie. Oh, go check out Munchie. It is fucking amazing. It's Korean Ryan, Ryan, this is the most you've talked in the episode, and you were excellent. I can't encourage it enough. Please talk more. You make my job better, and it's you're knowledgeable, so I appreciate all the hard work you do, buddy. You're the man. I appreciate you being awesome, on the show. Man. Aaron, thanks for listening and not yep. listening at the same time. Anytime. Okay. <laughs> uh, guys, this is Tim Foyle Hat. Thank you. Hey, guys, uh, on the YouTube channel, check out uh, YouTube.com backslash Sam Tripoli. Uh, comment, man. Let me know. Go on iTunes. Comment. If you love Tim Foyle Hat, give us five stars. Comment about it. And, uh, and we have a Twitter account in which I'm putting up all the conspiracy theory stuff that I learned through the week and I talk about on my YouTube channel. It's a Tinfoil Hat Pod, and it's at Tinfoil Hat Pod. Follow us. Love us. We love you. I appreciate the support. Your feedback, positive, negative, whatever it is, is totally appreciated. But it's 99% positive. Greatly appreciated. And we'll see you next Monday, guys. Take care. Bye.